Holiday House Books for Young People presents Candace Fleming and Eric Roman, author and artist of Honey Bee, The Busy Life of Apis Mellifera, in conversation with Holiday House General Manager Derek Stortle. Welcome to the Guest Book Podcast, where we invite acclaimed authors and artists to share the stories behind the stories. Today, I'm talking with Eric Roman and Candace Fleming. I'm Derek Stortle, the general manager at Holiday House, and um, we're talking about honeybee. I'm getting to talk with Candy and Eric about honeybee because I'm a beekeeper, and I love this book. I think you will, too. So let me tell you a little bit about the book, and I'll tell you about Eric and Candy, and then we'll start chatting. This book has been called nonfiction at its best, dazzling, stunning, positively riveting, a wonder to behold, and it has seven-starred reviews. Those reviews are, and and some of the quotes I just gave you are from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, Shelf Awareness, San Francisco Chronicle. I mean, come on, let's face it. People love books about bees, and this is a fantastic book about bees. It takes you into the beehive in a way no other book does, and it's really just spectacular. It's oversized. I'm holding a copy of it right now, and uh, it is completely gorgeous. Candace Fleming is the author of more than 20 distinguished books for children. Eric Roman is the award-winning author and or illustrator of beloved books for children. He received a Caldecott honor for Time Flies, and a Caldecott Medal for My Friend Rabbit, which was a favorite book in our house when uh, my oldest son was two or three years old. Loved that book. People love Honey Bee as well. It's been named an NCTE Orbis Pictus Honor Book. It's on the Texas Blue Bonnet Award Master List. It's been selected by Junior Library Guild and was a finalist for the American Association of Advancement of Science and Subaru Prize for Excellence in Science Books, and it was on 10 best of end of year lists from everybody from NPR to the New York Public Library to Kirkus and Booklist and on and on. Um, I can't wait to talk with you, Candy and Eric, about Honeybee. So welcome to the guest book. Thanks, Derek. Hi, I'm glad Derek. to be here. So let's get right into the book. You know, one of the things that's hard about beehives is they're dark. A lot of the stuff happens in the dark. What's oh, you're, you're going to start with this, are you? I am. <laughs> so I, I did a book with Candy uh, a few years ago that takes place in a, a dark hole. And then we did a book w- with uh, the, the yeah. editor, Neil Porter, uh, that's Giant Squid, which takes place in the deep ocean where there's no light. So when she presented me with Honeybee, <laughs> it's like, yeah. So at least from my <laughs> point of view, I had to figure out some way to use a light source. And like we all should, we should go right to the people who've done this before. So I went right to Rembrandt, who would invent um, a light source in a dark space space for dramatic effect. I knew I couldn't give the bees like expressions. Like I, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to be anthropomorphized, yeah. you know, honey, not cherry or bee. Um, so I had to find some other way, uh, composition using composition and, and light to uh, kind of show that drama uh, that Candy had written in her storytelling. Yeah, and I want to get to that drama for sure. But one, I want to follow up with a, a question about uh, that, something you mentioned. You know, a lot of bee books have these sort of cartoony bees that uh, look like, you know, the Cheerio bee or, or, you know, your friendly bee. And these bees really look real. How hard was that to paint those bees? 
Um, Difficult. I mean, painting anything that's that complex is, it can be difficult as well, but it's all bees pretty much, at least these honeybees look pretty much the same. So once I sort of of got an idea of their shape and what they looked like, um, we had also consulted uh, an expert, uh, Dr. Mark Winston, and I actually had sent him some of the paintings in progress. And he wrote me things like, uh, the abdomens are too big. Mm -hmm. Is um, she supposed to be honey-filled? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because if she is, that's right. Yeah. 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 And even you, Derek. Honey-filled? in this hive. Yeah. yeah. And even you, Derek, yeah. we had sent a, a mm-hmm. picture and you saw that one of the bees didn't have any, um, was it pollen or nectar that was pulling out of one of the... Oh, of the, I don't remember. Yeah. But you said this wouldn't work like this. So we went to multiple experts to be able yeah. to, to no. do it. And, oh, midway through the project, Eric said, now I know why no one has tried to do accurate bees up close because he had these tiny little brushes for these tiny little hairs. And there was one day he said, I've spent all afternoon. All I've done is hair, one little hair, one little hair. And yeah, it it was um, a project. I don't know why I thought they were more like wasps. I mean, Mm -hmm. I knew they weren't, but uh, that that there is, there's, fuzzy as, as they are. And, uh, you know, you learn that when you're, when you're, when you're working on it. But what I love about it is when you show pictures, when you show those illustrations to kids, and I have been um, Mm. this year on Zoom when we we get up close, um, every kid I have shown this book to has decided because they're up close and they look real, that they're not as scary Mm. as they might have thought they were if they saw them out in the wild. And in fact, more than one kid has told me that they think they're cute, cuddly, and I'm thinking... "Mm." (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I I guess that's the appreciation that we were going for. If you could see the real thing, you can see the real beauty, even if it it's not your typical, you know, kind of beauty. Yeah, I think, you know, I I mean, just to talk about my experience as a beekeeper, the first time that, you know, I was a beginning beekeeper and I was standing by a hive full of bees, thousands and thousands of them. I mean, my heart was racing and I was just like, oh, my God, look at all these bees. I'm going to get stung like crazy. And once you get used to them, there is a sort of friendliness about them most mm-hmm. of the time. And, you know, you, you can pick up a frame with hundreds of bees on it and, and not worry about getting stung as long as you're, you know, gentle and respectful mm-hmm. to the bees. And right. uh, I think that's something that it's great for kids to know and, um, and know that bees are not wasps. When I started, when I started doing research for the pictures and I, I knew I had to get close, I knew the size of the, the, the trim size of the book. Mm. I knew it was a large format. So I knew I was going to get up close to, to the bees. So I was a little worried about that. Is this going to be scary? And then my immediate response was, this is for kids. If it's a little scary, they'll see that work mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. But then when you read Candy's story, mm-hmm. it's a story about a bee just doing what bees do. Mm-hmm. And and so there is no fear in it. So we just moved on. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, to, to talk about the story a little bit, Candy, you really introduced a certain amount of drama and talk to me about how you made that happen. Um. You know, I, one of the things I love about nonfiction and what I mean by love, I love nonfiction, but I love the challenge of nonfiction is to um, try to elevate nonfiction beyond just a bunch of facts. In the case of Honeybee, there are a lot of books out there with a lot of facts about bees, but um, I wanted to go beyond those facts and 
show life. And what I had discovered when I did my research was I knew a lot about honeybees, or I thought, but I didn't realize that they had this sort of extraordinary life, this um, short-lived, but really, I think, a beautiful incredible life and an important life to all of us. Mm. Right. And so um, when I got to thinking about what was it I wanted to share with kids, what did I want my readers to take away from this book? What I wanted them to take away was love for one, just one bee and one extraordinary bee's life who's extraordinary, but average like every other bee. Right. And so there was what I always call that sort of emotional heat. So I wanted them to love her but I also wanted them to turn the page. And so I tried to find this one thing that would provide just a little drama, just a little suspense. And when I realized that they did all these other chores before they ever got to leave the hive and really do that thing that we see them do, that we know them about flying out in the world, right? It's a long time before they get to actually do that. I thought, well, there it is, because if I'm a bee, I want to fly. Right. But I'm instead going to take care of a queen. I'm going to guard my hive. I'm going to clean up. But the other bees, what? Before Mm -hmm. I ever get to go out there and fly. And so I thought that's what I'm using for my dramatic hook. And I think it works. And here's the thing. Here's the sort of alchemy of the of this story uh, that she wrote is that it's. it's just the facts. It's uh, what happens, the responsibilities that the bee has. Um, but as we're reading, we're inside this dark hive. And she says, well, not yet. Well, not yet. By the time we get to the point where the bee flies, we as the reader want to get out of that hive yeah. too. We mm-hmm. want to fly. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the, how that's just that release of that suspense. Mm-hmm. And after that, the, the idea of what happens at the end of the book becomes even more poignant because we did get that moment when she got to fly. Yeah, you know, I really feel that as a reader. You know, when you turn that page and you hit that double gatefold and it just opens up into the field full of flowers and it's like, wow. I mean, Eric, you must have been so happy to get out of the hive and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. Across. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I have a real fondness for, for uh, tall grass prairies anyway. So the idea that I got to paint another prairie was yeah. thrilling, but you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, you do when you show it to kids and you do that and they all go, oh, it's like this real sense of joy and relief. Mm. My goodness. She's he finally let her out. <laughs> and I, I always wonder if she would have gotten one more, like one more thing and not flown with that of sort of, you want to build the suspense, but also you don't want it to be a dirge. Yeah. You want it to just keep going on right. and on and on. Right. So. so, you know, Neil Porter, of course, is your editor and, and he's the publisher of Neil Porter books at Holiday House. What feedback or what was the magic that uh, Neil shared with you to make the book work? Yeah, just like the other book we did with him called Giant Squid, we we weren't exactly sure, but you know what his reaction would be because it's an unusual manuscript. Here's the magic of Neil Porter, um, and you know you can disagree with me if you want. <laughs> I think the magic, or you can too. Dear. Um, but the magic of Neil Porter, for me anyway, is as his you know him being my editor, is that he 
one, he really trusts me. And two, he's always really open. So I'm constantly presenting him with something that I think, oh, he's never going to go for this. And not only does he get it right away, but loves the fact that it's something he didn't expect, Mm -hmm. but is so glad he had. And so there's sort of the magic is he, there's a real freedom to working for Neil that you, you know, that, um, you can get as creative. You can push the envelope. You can do things that nobody's really done in nonfiction, and he'll let you do that. You know, yeah, because I, I, I appreciate it. And yeah. there would be editors, I think, that if you said I'm going to do a book, uh, a nonfiction book about honeybees, that they would have preconceptions about what that should do and what it should look like right. and how it should read. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to bump into those. But uh, Neil, I suppose his his superpower is his ability to stay open. <laughs> I just saw, I'm sorry, yeah. I just saw my little cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get superpower, yeah. I got to draw that. Um, and so his ability to, to have an open mind mm-hmm. when you get to that point mm-hmm. and, and do it. So yeah. he, and he, he, you know, like, like any editor, he's curious about what you're working on when you're working on it. Yeah. But Pretty much he leaves you alone yeah. and, and lets you work. Trust mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. You, you've been doing this for a while, that you're a professional. We'll talk you through it. You know, if you're, you're a little stuck, he'll talk you through it. We just did something like that recently. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, like I said, that's sort of the magic is he's just sort of there when you need him. But he trusts you that if he's, if he's receptive, he's, he trusts you to bring him something. It's so hard to express. I wish I could think of a better way to put and, it. And it's a, this is a collaboration. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. It's just not candy and I. It's a little bit the experts, Mark Winston. It's, it's a lot, Neil Porter. It's it's a lot uh, Jennifer Brown Um, but yeah we showed it to you as Mm -hmm. well so it's this sort of team effort that in a collaborative Mm -hmm. effort that Mm -hmm. uh, you know and we appreciate it because you know I'd like to think I know everything but uh, not even close yeah yeah. I know he doesn't so let me you you mentioned Jennifer Brown and um and I think often you know the editors get the the glory um, and of course the creators but uh, talk to me about Jennifer a little bit well, she's yeah, amazing. Yeah, and and yeah. Um, it, it when you work with sometimes when you, when you work with art directors, there's a kind of uh, simpatico that happens that that you don't have to work on at all. She's always open to suggestions, um, but she's no pushover. If she has an idea of what something should look like, what she believes it should mm-hmm. look like, um, she'll let you know with really good reasons. You know, that's the probably the frustrating part is it's hard to argue with somebody who knows what they're doing, <laughs> so, even if I don't know. But the the choice of the the type on the cover um, the, and then that the type that's oh, yeah. inside in a million years, yeah. if I was designing a cover like that, I would not have gone with a sans serif face and made it sort of purple. And so um, she does something that the rest of the team yeah. can't do. Mm-hmm. So we're always thrilled to work with her. So tell me about how you two collaborate. Well, how do you? each other like well, no. <laughs> the truth or well, I'm looking at her simply because it, it uh, typically it, begins with a manuscript. So yeah. you, you were the yeah. First. So typically we we decide on you know the project together. We decide that, and um, then I start to do the research. And what I'm doing, you know, not only am I learning about that topic, um, but I'm looking for a way in always. So not only am I discovering about, 
the true facts about honeybee, but I'm looking for, I talked about that emotional heat and, and that hook, that dramatic hook. I'm looking for an actual story. Um, and usually I find it and then I check it out with Eric before I even begin to write. I'm like, what do you think of this? If we have this honeybee, what do we thought? What if we do a biography of a bee? Is that possible? But, we follow one bee, is that but crazy? It's, but it's a lot more um, relaxed than that. Usually yeah. the conversation is when you're walking the dog. Like I came up with this idea that maybe the bee should do this and we're just kind of walking the dog and what do you mm-hmm. think and that sort of thing. And and while Candy is doing that, I, I'm simply drawing bees to try to understand what they look like. Um, the hardest thing for me with, with bees were was the comb. Um, just the what, what seems like a thing that you could figure out is the translucence of the wax was something that I, that, that I had to deal with. And that's one of the things when we're walking that I say to Candy, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble figuring this out. And she says, well, maybe we could write something that you don't have to include it. And then we realize we do have to include it. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's not like we actually sit down at our little conference table and discuss it. He's right. It's usually yeah. dinner. It's mostly a walk because we have this big dog that requires two long walks a day. So it gives us something to talk about. Um, and, and she's, she's also, um, really good at writing books, picture books uh, uh, for kids. And so I know when I'm going to get this manuscript, it's going to be, it's going to be tight. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be thoughtful. Um, did I, did I suggest any changes when you, when I think, you, you know, I can't remember now yeah. because it's so, you know, what happens, it becomes such a, uh, like of a one piece like an organic because, yeah, process. because I finish it and then I give him the manuscript, um, when I, you know, when it's finished and he starts his Magic, yeah, that's the magic. word you're looking that's for. Exactly, that's what he does. I was going to say scribbles. That was the wrong word. Um, but he starts his magic. Um, but we do go back and forth, and there'll be, there'll be text that he thinks, you know, I don't need that. Um, there are a couple of lines. I think we did take a couple of things out of, right. out of Honey Here, Here's the thing is once you decide on what the picture is going to look like, if it says the exact same thing as the text, mm-hmm. um, get rid of one yeah. or the other, so, right? So there right. was that. And, I'm, and Neil found some places too yeah. that were redundant. And, right. and we, you know, we kind of go back and forth like that. Um, sometimes... Uh, his illustrations will inspire a better word or a better sentence, a more evocative description. Um, and so you start fine tuning as you go along, but that that's pretty much the process. I will, I will say what I always say when with to students like this, it's not a, it's not linear. You're not, you don't start at a and go on a line to Z. It's more like a spider web where the finished book is the middle of the web and you start way off at the top and just work your way. And sometimes you, you have to circle it and sometimes you have to move your way back. Eventually you get there, but it's, it's a, it's a journey that's kind of chaotic. <laughs> and just to come back to the, uh, the, Art again for a minute. You know, I, I, you made me think about the interior of the hive and the uh, the wax, which can be, you know, different colors from totally opaque and black to translucent. And then the challenge of the number of bees that you have moving across that surface. You know, when I look at the uh, the paintings you've done, it's just really amazing how well you've caught that and represented the uh, the amount of bees there. I know that one of the I'm going to just quote from one of the reviews. I think it was a Wall Street Journal. 
said that the uh, it was illustrated with such intensity and accuracy that squeamish reader may want to look on from a distance. Which is like a backhanded compliment. Yeah, that's that's, Mm -hmm. that's nicely done. Um, I suppose the the thing that you do is you don't want to, if it's so realistic, you might as well have used a photograph, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So what you want to do is you want to use the formal language of art making, uh, color, composition, light, uh, shape, um, how shapes relate to one another uh, on the flat surface on the in the picture plane um, to build a lot of that that you would get by seeing a, a, a photograph or actually seeing a bunch of bees. So if you look close, there are bees that aren't as detailed, but those are ones that the eye doesn't grab. Um, uh, the, the thing that matters is the, 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 um, what Candy refers to in the text, the queen at the time. Or um, mm-hmm. There's one picture um, toward the end that uh, we see um, uh, Apis on a, uh, on a purple cone flower. And when you turn the page, the, the, the bees dancing in the, in a circle yeah. are in the ex- almost the exact same shape as the, as the purple cone flower. Um, nobody's ever going to see something like that, but they do. Yeah. They, say, but they do. Yes. Yeah. Consciously mm-hmm. you do see mm-hmm. things. It leads your eye to where the writer and the artist wants the eye to go. No, that's really fascinating to think about, uh, about creating it that way. Yeah, and those things that most people won't notice. Mm, but it adds to the whole. I mean, and he's, it, and he's given a lot of consideration and time too. Um, so they don't, yeah, like you said, they don't consciously notice, but they notice. They, they notice. would notice if there's something wrong. Yeah. Is that, that that's mm-hmm, the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I suppose writers work this way too, but um, there in most, in a lot of the pictures, there was a lot more stuff. But then I started removing stuff. And the more, if you remove stuff and the picture still has the same, uh, it says the same thing, has the same power, has the same drama, then you probably didn't need that stuff. I'm talking about backgrounds uh, mm-hmm. in the hive, that sort of thing, which is why you see sort of a dark shape back there. And also Candy makes no kind of any reference to it. She mm-hmm. talks about the bee. She talks mm-hmm. about it. And that's what we have to concentrate mm-hmm. on. So I left poor Eric to figure out the translation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I do. Oh, yeah. That's what I like to do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll stretch the metaphor a little bit and say that, uh, you know, each of those little pieces of that uh, composition are like the bees in the hive. You know, they contribute to the whole. Yes. Exactly the right. Whole, but maybe not the bees so much. I may, I may use that. That's a pretty good yeah. metaphor for mm-hmm. painting. Yeah. I have to attribute it to him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, so, so I'm curious, you know, given how how closely observed uh, the hive was, both from in the text and the art, did you guys go out with beekeepers? Did you handle bees, or did you, you know, how did you research this? We sat in our garden and watched, <laughs> um, and. I looked at bees online so that it could slow them up with no, like I would turn the volume off, mm-hmm. which sounds weird. But um, so I would look up close, like a lot of National Geographic, and I turn all the volume up and go really slow so that you could see how they moved and 
how beautiful they were when they were, were. Were we working on this during the winter? Is that one of the reasons we didn't? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I think. But we that did was go out. Of, we right? did go out, and yeah. And I used my phone to like as a flying bee. I would go into the garden, I, and I'd uh, I'd move through the <laughs> you know move through the prairie plants to try to mm-hmm. figure out what it might look like if you were uh, a bee. I mean, if, yeah. if you were a bee flying mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. yeah. And maybe yeah. that's why. Maybe we, we were trying to get more into. I would say into the bee's head, but we were, <laughs> we are really out of bee's eye view in this book and also because they're so small it's sort of hard to do a a lot of observation uh, up close certainly in on the title page where you see them all sort of buzzing around yes i looked at lots of of images of of uh, but in a way painting a a beehive is like painting the ocean you know it moves before you get a chance (laughs) for your pencil to hit the hit the paper so we slowed things down, both of us, both in the writing and the picture making. And when uh, when showing this book and sharing it with kids, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the initial reactions. Tell me more about what kind of kids this really appeals to. Well, you know, I've been reading it to classrooms. Um, a lot of like, it seems to me a lot of third graders just mm-hmm. just because. Um, and I've had a couple reactions. Um, one, they're always sad at the end. And I even have the boys that'll like pretend that they're not crying, but like, you know, dab at their eyes. And um, I had one third grade boy, I remember it was in Houston. And he said, um, when you say falls to the ground, do you mean died? And I said, yes, I do. And but what an exhilarating life. And back in the hive, we have another bee. And isn't wasn't that extraordinary life? And he said, yes, yes. Um, and like I said earlier, the biggest point our, our biggest, I think the biggest reason we wanted to write this book was that we wanted care, kids to really care about honeybees, particularly with the plight of the honeybee. And so we really wanted them to care. And we thought they can really only care if they know about bees, mm. you know, um, and what we always say, empathy, action requires empathy. So the next day, it was happened to be a Christian school in Houston. And the very next day I was there and they had chapel, school-wide chapel. And every class asked the rest of the school to pray for something. And we had a lot of prayers for sick friends and grandparents. And the third graders raised their hand and they wanted everybody to pray for honeybees. And I thought, my work is done here. <laughs> I think, you know, action, action. Um, so I thought it was pretty great. Um, yeah. Um, and not too long ago, I was sharing it with some kids online. We were Zooming, and I had this third grade boy that made the most, like I, like I had to turn around because I was all teary, and I thought, I can't let the kids see me cry. Um, but he, we got to the part where Apis has been in that hive, and finally she flies, and he goes, it's just like us. We're all stuck in our hives, just like COVID, but one day we're all going to fly. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you're yeah, you know, and then I thought, this is why I write books. This is why I write for this audience. This is exactly why, because they make those connections. And mm. like Eric said, they make it part of their, they like make it part of their own world. It becomes their story, their book, and they take from it what they need. And obviously he wanted, he needed to know that one day he was going to leap from his hive to then fly. So we all will. Yeah, we all will. So we're told. We, told yeah. <laughs> we will. So this book has a, a lot of back matter uh, talking about bees and beekeeping. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you decide what to include beyond the uh, the text and the art? Sure. Um, 
because we talk so much about those bits and pieces of APIS that are useful for her day-to-day changing and growing. So we have a big diagram in the back um, that we can have a few more facts and information about those parts, the amazing parts of the bee, because they are pretty extraordinary creatures. Um, and then there's a like a fun facts list of things, because I do love facts. It's not that I don't love those facts. And so there is some uh, list of really interesting facts, things you might want to know more about honeybees. And then there's a little essay about, um, you know, the, the, the future that honeybees may face if we don't take a little bit of action. And then there are some things there that um, kids can do for bees themselves that they can actually do. And that includes things like, um, you know, planting pollinator pathways and not using um, chemicals in your gardens and grass and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, interesting for me, you know, as a, as a beekeeper, one of the, you know, every once in a while I'll run into people who will want every detail about bee biology, how the bees uh, find food, how they reproduce, how they swarm, what they do. And, you know, you get somebody who's interested in bees and they can ask you questions um, and there's that desire to know about them. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, I guess that maybe starts with those kind of third graders that are really into um, the importance of bees and where they come from and what they do for us. Mm -hmm. You know, part of this book really helps kids understand what a bee is versus again that hornet or wasp that you might be more scared of right and there's um most kids i would say most third or fourth graders are aware that um bees are in trouble it's it's we've seen enough of it not that you don't want to say that um uh, candy and i are uh well she's at work on the text now for a book with neil porter about polar bears which is the next one that's that's coming out and the question of course is how much do you talk about how polar bears are affected by climate change? Mm-hmm. I mean, and obviously they are. So do you tell a story and, and show it uh, instead of unloading a bunch of facts that shows how mm-hmm. they're in danger? Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the thing that amazes me is that you can write something that um, – is a story that appeals to that young mind, makes them care about it enough that when they hear that bees are in trouble with polar bears, that um, um, they'll respond positively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so is this uh, the upcoming polar bear book, is this going to be part of the, uh, I don't know, the uh, theme from giant squid to honeybees to polar bear? Yep, it's a companion. Is that what we're called? Is that what the is that the word? We're yeah, it's a companion. Yeah, he, yes, he's the is. publisher, yeah. so he'd know. We haven't um, quite figured out where the gatefold goes yet. Yeah. I mean, in the book itself, I know where the gatefold <laughs> is. I told Neil where the yeah. gatefold is, but the illustrator is yeah. argumentative in this. Yeah. So, so we'll figure that out. But um, yeah, they're amazing. So it's our yeah. our new. Yeah, we're trying really hard to figure out how we can get to Churchill and. <laughs> actually see them actually yes. see them that'd be great i can walk amongst them with my iphone yeah filming them <laughs> yeah i don't know that seems a little bit more dangerous than a bee yeah, yeah, yeah a little more dangerous yeah. than bees yes, yeah yeah and eric is happy to not be in a dark place and then i said well you do know right that 
we have darkness like 24 hours a day <laughs> during the time when yeah. polar bears prefer would to be. Kill you to write a, <laughs> would it kill you to write a book about a camel? I know. <laughs> I, uh, or a hummingbird. So one more, <laughs> one more dark place sort of. Yeah. Um, so this is why I've decided to take a whole year of a polar bear's life so that Eric, we can give Eric a break and actually send them into um, the world of summer, yeah. you know, with some flowers instead of snow. Yeah. Yeah. Full, full sunlight. Sun, all sunlight yeah. instead of all dark. Not just white snow and mm-hmm. blue ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's been uh, so great to talk to you guys about this book. It's such a special book, and uh, really an honor to publish it and uh, and to work with both of you. Before we wrap up, I wonder if you could sign our guest book by mm-hmm. leaving listeners with one last thought about Honeybee or reading something from it, or anything you'd really like our readers to and listeners to take from this podcast. Um, here, here's my last thought. Um, tomorrow, when you eat breakfast, I want you to think about the fact that 70% of everything on your breakfast table is directly related to the work of, I'm going to call them my girls, because they're all women. It's a, this is a female empowerment book, because they're all female workers. So um, everything that 70% of everything that you put in your mouth tomorrow morning will be because of those busy working, hardworking ladies in our hives. That's good. That's, that's way better than anything I could come up with. So it's competitive now. I should have thought, <laughs> should have thought this through. Um, what I would do is I would encourage anybody who makes pictures, anybody who's thinking about making pictures, especially pictures of uh, things in nature, to carry a sketchbook and have it with you all the time. When you carry a sketchbook, you don't only have to draw in it. You don't only have to write in it. You can glue stuff in it. You can take uh, uh, one of those uh, purple cone flowers I talked about and uh, press it inside. Uh, Use the book to tell your story about how you relate to the natural world. Thank you for signing our guest book and thank you for talking with us. It's been a pleasure. It was fun. It's so good to see you again. 